0: I am finishing up the the series on unbelievers, and the, the way we get to this point with this series. When you preach a series, we're assigned the scriptures, and um, and and usually we're just assigned the scriptures. But today I got a bonus uh, in in the sermon. But before I, I start with that, um. I, I just want to tell you how good it is to be in community. Mm-hmm. It is a rich thing. And when we're doing this series of unbelievers, it's like, you know what? It's, I, I have something with my Gospel Tab family that, that unbelievers don't have. I miss two Sundays in May. And you know, and I, I was like, wow, I miss it. If if I didn't have this experience, you know, I would miss something in my life. If I didn't see people from the Christian community around me, I would miss something. But you know what? There are people that are missing those relationships all around us. So, when we're talking about bringing unbelievers to the Lord, we're not just talking about hate presenting Jesus with them we're talking about inviting them into a family isn't that what Jesus was about he didn't come just so everybody could know him he came so we could know him and we could know each other all through the New Testament they did things together we talk about Pentecost Sunday that's coming up the last thing Jesus said is said, "Wait for the, for the power that's coming out, coming after you." And then you know what it says about the disciples? It says they were daily in the temple waiting. They didn't just go hide away in the upper room. they met daily in worship and praise until the, until the Spirit came. And then after the Spirit came, they were still together daily. So when we talk about bringing the message to unbelievers, we're talking not just a theoretical thing. We're saying that I have found a life-giving family in Jesus Christ. And that life-giving family, I can't do without... And I want you to experience that same life-giving family. You know, all my years, I've heard many, many, many sermons on evangelism. Many, many people saying, we need to evangelize because people are going to hell. We need to evangelize so they can go to heaven. Those things are true. However, we need to evangelize because people could be part of the kingdom of God today. Amen. Anyway, I'm not in my scripture yet. I'm hungry. <laughs> but, but I want to start off with that because I miss being with y'all. And, and it, it's something valuable. And if we just go to church on Sunday and don't connect with people, we're missing out on some of that value. And there are people all around. You know, James is out there planting flowers. But James was in service last night because they have Saturday night service here. And they have that community. They have that relationships that take care of each other. And we have that same opportunity to go into relationship and so when we're sharing about reaching the lost, we're sharing about unbelievers. We're inviting them into that relationship that has given us, give us so much joy. has given me so much joy. Anyway, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, um, for, for this time. I thank you, God, that we can jump into your word. I thank you for your great love. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, let's turn to Romans 10. Okay, this is the, the, the scriptures that were assigned to me. And today, you know, when, we, when I got two things from Joel, the scripture, Romans 10, 14 through 15, and then the title. He normally doesn't send a title for the sermon, but he sent a title for the sermon. And it's opening our mouths for the gospel. And, and so, so let's go back up here to the slide, to the title. Opening Our Mouths for the Gospel. we got that there. Opening Our Mouths for the Gospel. So when I read that and heard that, it immediately made me think of, of, of a guy that I listened to his music. And, and, and this guy was, the, they call him the, the grandfather of Christian rock. But I, when, I, when I first got saved, I used to listen to him. One of his logos is this, next picture. It's a mouth with the cross. And so, you know, opening our mouths for the gospel, okay, and, and I thought of that because you know what? The gospel doesn't happen unless we open our mouths. Okay? There, and we're going to get into some scripture. There's power in our words, the words mean something. And when we're talking about the loss, we need to be prepared to open our mouths and share the love of God. And then I got a second one from Joel, and, and this, is, this, is, this is what Joel said. People need to actually hear about Jesus to know him. We cannot assume that they know. Okay. That we know. Sweet. So, let's go into scripture. Now, he gave 10... Uh, 14 and 15, but I want to start with 10 verses 8. I mean, chapter, Romans 10 10, verses 8 and 10. Okay, so this is a passage, and I'm going to be reading this out of the the New King James. Okay. But what does it say? The word is near to you, even in your mouth and in your heart. Hey, Back to the logo there. It's words even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preached. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth one confess confession. With the mouth confession is made to salvation. Here, so we see in this scripture, if we back up, it's talking about the power of that word. That word is, they were bringing this message. They were bringing that word. It was in their mouth. It was in their hearts. And they were sharing it. And it because we, we believe in our heart, but we confess with our mouth. There is power in the word. And as, as believers, if we want people to experience that community, people to experience that richness we have to share about it. If we want people to receive healing we have to share about healing in the scripture and how it's available (coughs) for them. It's something that we have to speak out about. So then here's the main portion, Romans 10 14 through 15. Now before I read this uh, I want to give a little devotional challenge for you guys. A devotional challenge is a, a one way of of reading the Bible devotionally is when you read a portion if you can restate it in your own words. So in a second we're going to read Romans uh 10:14 and I want you to think how would you restate this in your own words? And then we're going to ask a couple people. So this is this is An assignment, because I don't want to be doing this all myself. Okay, so we're going to read 10, uh, 14, and 15. But in 14, I want some people just to think, how would you restate this when it says, okay, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So 14. So how then shall they call upon him? So verse 14, when we read that, if you would put verse 14 in your own words, what would you say? Diane? Yeah, just uh, this is two verses, so so it, it ends right here, after without a preacher. Yeah, the first one, I mean, they call on Jesus if, if they if they don't believe in him. Mm-hmm. They don't hear about him. So if nobody goes and tells them about him, then how are they really going to believe in him? If they yeah. Mean. If no one tells, how are they going to believe it? Yeah. Yeah. To tell them, mm-hmm. how are they going to find it? Yeah. there you go. Okay. Someone else. How would you restate that Jack, that that verse? Ella. I would restate as unless someone tells me about. having me talk. So but the reason is, is 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 this is part of coaching is when you have people take the things that you're talking about and restate it, they'll most likely remember it. Because as a preacher, I want you to remember not just hear. So anyone else how one more person how they would restate this 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 14 Michelle? So this is probably really crazy. So you have, this is like an analogy. You have a swimming pool, mm-hmm. but it's not filled with water. It's filled with acid, ooh, ooh. and you know that it's filled with acid. So if anybody goes in that pool, they're gonna be hurt. They're gonna, yeah. let you go. mm-hmm. You have this knowledge of that, yet you don't tell. Them about yeah. 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 So are you gonna choose to tell so that you can save people from going in there? Yeah. Room, or are you just gonna choose to be quiet? How do they know yeah. if you
1: don't tell? Yeah. Them? yeah. yeah. So, yes.
0: so she's bringing it. A- this is a good thought because people are hurt by not stepping into the things of God. Okay. God doesn't hurt them. They hurt themselves. But by not stepping into the things of God, they're hurt. So if we can avoid someone getting hurt by telling them, you know, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. All right. All right. I'll give one more chance, then I better read mine. Anyone else? All right. This is how I said it in my words in, in Romans 10, 14. People don't believe, people haven't heard, people need a preacher. Okay? People don't believe, people haven't heard, people need a preacher. And this is it. The people don't need a preacher as someone in the pulpit. People need a preacher in someone who's gonna proclaim the word of God to them. You don't have to be in the pulpit to be a proclaimer of the word of God. Each one in this room, everyone in this room, from the youngest to the oldest is called to proclaim the goodness of God. Hi, who's the youngest here? Harvard. 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 Well, she's downstairs. Oh. Okay. okay. Kim, what's your son's name? Kai. Kai? Kai is probably the youngest. Kai can proclaim the goodness of God. He might not proclaim it as, as eloquently as... I'm one of the older people in the room. (laughs) I'm not the oldest in the room, but I am one of them. So, Kai might not be able to proclaim it as eloquently, but he can proclaim the goodness of God, the things of God. Each one of us are called to be a preacher. Okay, each one of us, and how do I know that? Because what did Jesus say? Before he went to heaven, he said, go and preach the gospel he said it to all of us there is I keep putting my notes over this thing so who knows if it's working there is power in the spoken word and I just want to give two examples you know we talk about the word the word word is important and right back in Genesis Genesis 1-3 it says then God said, let there be light. And going on, if you look in in, in the first couple chapters of Genesis, all the time it's like, God said, God said, God said, God spoke the Word. And things happen. And it's the same today that there's power in the spoken Word. That spoken Word can create. Hey parents, that spoken Word can and that also that spoken word can destroy. We need to guard what we say and say we're going to speak words of life because the spoken word is powerful. Right later on in Romans 10, it says this. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Early on in my, my life, I was, was discipled Oh, I can use a a fancier word, a new word, mentored by someone who spoke all the time about the hearing of faith, the hearing of faith. If someone wants to be healed, they need to hear the word of God about healing so they can be healed. So before you you go in a hospital room and you're going to pray for someone to be healed, you would, would read in the scripture a story about someone being healed. There is this spoken word, the hearing of faith, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It goes back to to the salvation of people. Okay. They need to hear the word before the faith in Jesus grows and comes alive. All right. Okay. Well, we don't want to go too deep into this passage, but I had some things in my heart. One, I, I, I felt that the Lord wanted me to talk today because... God wants us to be proclaimers of the word, each one of us here and people well we, we've read in 14 people may not get saved if they don't ha- have someone proclaim the word to them okay so so I want to talk about some fallacies about sharing the gospel and fallacies are, are they're just the word meets falsehoods and these are things I've observed I, there's no there's there's no book that said these things. These are things I've observed over the years that hinder the sharing of the gospel. They're falsehoods about sharing the gospel. The first one: if God wants them to be saved, they will be saved. I don't need to preach. I've heard that over and over in different circles of my ministry. And and some of you, you might not have heard of some of these, but some of you may And the idea is that, well, Jesus is, they're they're predestined. They're going to get saved. And if, if they're going to get saved, they're going to get saved. So you don't have to go preach the gospel. You don't have to share the word. That flies directly against what Romans is saying. Okay. And, and I, I'm not getting into the theology of predestination or anything, but the fact is, it doesn't matter if, where you fall in that, that gambit, we still need to preach the gospel. Because why? Jesus commanded it. Why? We see it echoed again here. How can they hear if there's not a preacher or a proclaimer is a better word? There's no someone sharing this word. So through, if someone comes and says, hey, I don't need to do it because God's going to take care of it. Well, God's going to use you to take care of it. God's going to use you to take care of it. And uh, Second thing, fallacy about sharing the gospel. It's not my job. It's the minister's job. Don't we pay Pastor John and Pastor Steve to do these things? <laughs> It's not my job. It's the minister's job. You know, years ago, when Billy Graham was still alive, he was doing a crusade in Boston. And I was in the church that we were going to take part in this crusade. And so we were kind of interested in it. And, and I was a, a, a young believer. I just became a Christian. And to see the Billy Graham crusade, all thousands, you know, he goes and he preaches this very simple message and all these people come down to the altar and they're all praying and, and they're singing, you know, just as I am and all this kind of stuff. All these people are going to the altar. After that crusade, he was interviewed but in a local, local TV station. And, and the, the, the interviewer said, how many people that come down to these things, how many be because Stay a Christian, and he's like, "Oh, about three percent, maybe." That's like, wow, that's not good news. <laughs> <You know? laughs> about three percent. We spent all this money and all these people, all this, and then he said, "You know what?" He said, "But those that are personally brought to the crusade by someone, mm-hmm. and and." They come to the altar that they're way up in percentage. He says, if we just track those that come just to check it out, but those that someone walks to them. And so you would hear in, in the teaching of, of when he's doing the crusade, he said, if you know someone needs to be that at that altar, you go and take them by the hand and say, I'll. Walk. So, the idea of, of that personal, it's not the minister's job. And then a little bit after that, I was at a meeting where someone, maybe I can try it right here, um, where people said, H- you know, how did you get saved? You know, and we'll try it here. Uh, who here got saved because they went to a Billy Graham crusade? Raise your hand. No. Who got saved here because you went to a Christmas cantata? (laughs) (laughs) Who got saved here because a friend or family member preached the gospel to you? Okay, that's the most people in the room. You know, that's that, that. It's a personal thing. It is not the minister's job. It's not Billy Graham's job to lead people to Christ. It's our job. Was he influential in that? Yes. And 3% is still better than nothing. So, the third thing. I don't have to preach. And this is one you hear a lot. I don't have to preach. I just have to live a good life and they will come to me and ask. (laughs) Has anyone ever heard that? I don't have to preach. You know, I just have to live a good life. Okay, you know, the thing is, the Bible says this, you know, there is none righteous, no, not one. It doesn't matter how hard we try to live a good life, we can't live a good life. And the fact is, there are a lot of people, and I've heard this said, that only Christians know how to love. I've heard that said. Only Christians really truly know how to love. But I know a lot of people that aren't Christians that will die for their family. They know how to love. So when they see someone being good, they're like, well, that's a good person. It's very unlikely that they will come and say, hey, what makes you different? Because, and what that comes out of is this idea that, 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 that we go to heaven because we're good. Do you ever hear this? Yeah. It's like there's a big balance beam up there. If I do enough good things, I'll get to heaven. If I do, you know, and, and having that, that that type of idea is like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. There's no security. <laughs> but we need to to open our mouth and preach the truth of the Word of God. If people may see. Now, we do need to live good in our neighborhood. We do need to be a a testimony of righteousness. We need to do those things. But we still need to open our mouth and preach the gospel. Then the last thing is, and I hear this one a lot, I don't know enough Bible to witness. I don't know enough. I'm not, I, was, I have to study a little more before I know. And the fact is, the fact is, you don't know, have to know all the Bible verses. You can tell people what Jesus did for you and invite them to find out that same thing. You could tell them, I have this really great community that I go to. It's called the Gospel Tab, or I have this really great community, whatever a church you may go to. And you don't need all that Bible knowledge to witness. Now, we have talked, a couple weeks ago we've talked and we keep mentioning it, this idea of a person of peace. And the person of peace comes from a gentleman named Mike Bream. And, and I, I want you to hear a quote from Mike Bream about the person peace about the person of peace okay Um, Mike Breen says this very simply a person of peace is one who's prepared to hear the message of the kingdom and the king he is ready to receive what God will give you to say at that moment so Mike Breen is saying a person of peace is someone who's ready to hear What you have to say. So we can have our personal peace. We can pray for them. We can can give them gifts. We can do these things. But ultimately, we're going to have to open our mouths and share the truth of the gospel. Okay, because even if they've been around church here and there, they might never have heard the full gospel message. And so I just want to challenge you to learn uh, simple ways to share the gospel. And it could be different ways. And a long time ago, someone gave me a nut. It says, you need to learn the gospel in the nutshell. like, oh, Okay. So, I tried to buy nuts for everybody here, but... They're out of season. It's a, a Christmas thing. Thanksgiving thing. So you can't, I could have bought peanuts, but they make a mess. So so and I'm like, and I was thinking about that. I'm going to tell them, encourage them to have gospel in a nutshell. And I'm like, well, what does this really mean? A gospel in a nutshell. Well, the term nutshell, it means to, to, to say something in a very brief and concise way. And the reality is it goes all the way back to the Greek because someone wrote an elaborate Greek poem in such fine writing that it fit in a nutshell. And so that's why we use that term. So, but here I want to talk about the gospel in a nutshell. And, and, and so I brought my nuts here. But there's some that I've learned over the years. And I'm going to give you some. You could Google them. But then I'm going to t- talk about one. Uh, one is four spiritual laws. Has anyone ever heard of this, four spiritual laws? Okay, it's a, it's a way. And, and God uses us in all different ways. And so I'm not saying you have to go memorize the four spiritual laws. But over the years, at times, it's been helpful. You know, that you need to say, okay, if my personal piece is the one that's going to hear the message of the kingdom, I need to be able to share the message of the kingdom with you. What, what are you going to tell them about the kingdom? How are you going to tell them about the kingdom? Okay, another one over the years is the Roman roads, which goes through a lot of what we've been reading in, in, in here, is that, that, that they have, the Roman road is, is like eight different verses out of Romans, but if you Google it, you'll find different versions of the Roman word. There's another one called the wordless book. Has anyone seen the wordless book? Hey, it's interesting. Wordless books has to do with colors. You just share colors. This, we used to go to the the local city fair in Maryland, and they had the the Christian farmers of America. They would have these sticks. This one I've had for years, some of them look nicer than that, but on the end of the stick they drill a hole and they put these beads. So, if you wanted one of these sticks, you could get it for free, but you had to sit down and someone would tell the beads. And if you want to know the story of the beads, I can tell you that later. But (laughs) hundreds of people would go through this booth and hear the proclaimed message to the Lord. Why? They wanted a stick. (laughs) And some of them received something much deeper because they had testimony after testimony of testimony of people that heard the Word of God because they wanted a stick and were transformed for life. Okay, there's five beats, and that's a wordless book. I can tell you the wordless book story later. Okay, then the last thing, I mean, you got Romans, uh, uh, I mean, John 3.16. John 3.16 is an easy way to give the whole message. And, and you could look at that. But you know, one that I learned is from Romans five. and Romans five, and I'll tell you that right now leave this here. Romans 5 talks about how sin through Adam came into the world, and how forgiveness came through Jesus, basically. So it gives the gospel, gospel message. And so in Romans five, and it's simply this. You know, at one time you use your hands to do this. You know, and, and I've i told this publicly. I told this privately, and it's something that resonates with you. It said, "Hey, one time God and man were together. They lived together. They fellowshiped. The Bible says that they walked and talked together in, in, in the garden. And 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 so if we look back in that thing, and, and the Scripture says that." By one man, sin entered the world It broke that fellowship. And that sin became a weight. And here's God up here, and man, because of that sin. And then, then throughout the world, when, when you were born, you had a propensity towards sin. Sin entered the world. And then you did your own sin. And then there's more weight. And then you got these family sins. And and then, then, then you, you marry and then you have all you know got all this sin, this weight. This sin. <laughs> <laughs> all this weight that's keeping you from fellowship with God. But God saw that. And He sent the second Adam. He sent Christ to come, and Christ came and died on the cross and took away all that sin and you can have fellowship with God today, right now, you can be in that relationship. And so we're not talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about a deep relationship with God right now. And it comes because of the gospel message. Jesus did it. And we have to share these simple things. Because there's some people, they might be in church all their life, and they never heard it explained that way, that we could not get into fellowship because of these things. But Jesus came to give us that fellowship. Does that mean our life's going to be perfect? No. Does that mean that, that we're going to be free from addiction? Well, in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. My wife got saved, and she was able to everything <laughs> I got saved I had to battle with my addictions so God does it differently different people but we need to know that no matter when we blow it that he's faithful and just and anytime we get that junk back blocking us he's faithful and just if we confess our sins he's faithful and just To forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The power of the gospel is in your mouths. And if we want people to participate, we need to share. You need to plan. You need to ask for divine appointments. But you need to be willing to open your mouth. Amen.